Hey, I'm Lisa Cantrell. I am faculty here at Sacramento State. I teach in the Child Development Department, and I also teach storytelling workshops. Okay, I'm going to give you a few tips on how to tell a good story. So all good stories have four things in common. They have characters, they have a conflict or an obstacle, a challenge that has to be overcome, they have a climax, and they have a resolution. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is I Am Big Poetry Podcast. Yay! And I am here <laughs> <laughs> with the powerful executive director of Capital Storytelling. I like to give y'all Lisa Cantra. <laughs> How you doing? All right. Hey, Sharon. I'm good. That was quite an introduction. I loved it. I, I try hard. <laughs> I try to get my introductions going. But no, thanks, for, thanks for coming on the show. Um, basically, I wanted to talk to you because um, not only because I was in your class and stuff, but you actually bring in a different perspective on on speech, on speaking stuff. And mm. I wanted to get to know more about the capital um, storyteller um, business, mm-hmm. but also just also on your side of how if your influence and everything of storytelling and also the differences on storytelling and poetry. So why, why don't we just get started? Um, how did capital um, storytelling get started? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first, thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited. Uh, so capital, yeah. So capital storytelling. Uh, we are we're based in Sacramento, and um, it started. I think you know the germ of the ideas probably started about five or six years ago. Um, and this was before I was living in Sacramento. I was living down the road in in a town called Davis, and uh, and we actually started a really a really small storytelling group at that point. Um, and the really the, the goal was just to get people in the same physical space listening to each other's stories. Uh, when I moved to Sacramento, we wanted to continue that work, and we, we actually got funding. Um, so we were able to launch a bigger program and to have classes and offer scholarships so that more people could be involved in the program. Uh, and, the, you know, so that's, that's kind of the history of it. But the reason, the reason I think... Um, it was important to me to start this. I think there's two reasons. I mean, one is a personal reason. Uh, and that is that I think for me, hearing other people's stories has always been something that makes me feel less alone. That makes me feel connected to people. And I, I always, usually I start my, the classes that I teach, I usually start by telling people, look, my own background is, I went through a really kind of dark period of my life where um, I, I, I was finding I couldn't listen to music. I am an avid podcast listener, but at this point in my life, I like wasn't listening to podcasts and I just felt really alone and isolated. And I found that the only thing that I could listen to at this point in my life was this one podcast, this one radio show that was all true storytelling. And it, they released an episode once a week and it was, it was the only time that I like 
felt not crazy and not alone. And I think it was at that point in my life, I was like, wow, you know, storytelling is really powerful. It has this ability to make us feel connected to other human beings. And, and I think also at that point in my life, I was listening to these stories that people were telling that were oftentimes kind of dark about dark moments in their own life. And they were laughing about it at this point, you know, when they were telling the stories. And I think that also gave me hope too, of like, oh my God, like I'm not alone. And also these people have lived through things that are even worse than what I'm going through right now. And they live to tell it. Um, so it felt really important uh, as a tool to, to make people feel less, less alone. But I think also, um, not just the personal part of it, but as a, as a social, from the social aspect of thinking about how, um, you know, I think more than ever, we can live our lives in our own circles and not meet other people, right? Uh, and so if you really want, I think, social change to happen, what your goal is, is to get people in the same room listening to each other, like not fighting with each other not taking abstract ideas at each other, but actually listening to people's own experiences. And so that has been a goal of getting people in the same room to listen to one another's true stories, to build empathy. Um, so in 2018, with all of that swirling around, my own personal um, belief in storytelling and also believing that it could change other people's lives and change society, uh, we, we applied for some grant money through Sacramento State and they were very generous and gave us money to launch Capital Storytelling. So now we have classes and uh, people come into the classes and they learn about storytelling. But then more, I think, really more importantly, they connect with each other in the classes. And then we have live events and story slams where people get to share their stories and listen to one another and connect that way. I can see that. I mean, so you got the whole thing going from there. <laughs> I mean, I did notice that you yeah. do um, have... Um, Four classes. Uh, you have um, uh, oral storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, one and two, or two or one, one on one, and then you also mm-hmm. have comedic storytelling. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. audio mm-hmm. radio storytelling? What's that about? Yeah, it's uh, it's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> so we um, <laughs> yes. exactly we. It's basically a podcasting class. Uh, we teach. So you know, I, I think really the goal is to give people. Um, an outlet for sharing their stories. So, you know, in these classes, we in the oral storytelling, we teach them uh, to share their stories orally. Or we've actually, and when I say orally, we've also had deaf members of our community be in these classes. And, and so it's not all just oral. We also have had interpreters and signed stories as well. Uh, but then we also offer um, people skills and tools if they want to be able to record stories and put them out there through a podcasting class. And we call that the audio radio storytelling okay. class. Um, and it's usually a really small class and we, we teach them how to do what you're doing. Basically, we teach them how to record, um, right now, because we are in the midst of a pandemic and a quarantine, we're teaching people how to do that remotely, um, how to record, how to edit audio using audio editing software. Uh, and then we also have a little bit, uh, within that class, we teach people how to distribute those stories. So, um, how do you not only edit audio so you can make it into a podcast episode, but then, how do you get it to an audience? How do you put it on iTunes? How do you put it on a website? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, because like you, I know that Capital Storytelling has a podcast themselves. This is Capital Storytelling, real stories told by real people on stage in Sacramento, California. I'm your host, Lisa Cantrell. 
The stories you're about to hear come from our fall 2019 live event, which was held on November 8th at Verge Center for the Arts, and it was sponsored by Capital Public Radio. You'll be hearing from seven storytellers. First up is Skip Bacon. Skip has lived in Sacramento since 2014. She came to California from Indiana by way of Chicago. She's a resident theologian, a local comedian, and an Alaskan racing pig official. Uh, so I'm assuming that you're that the podcast was kind of doing the Sacramento version of Moth Wrist or Snap Judgment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you did you know about those before? Were you fans? Yes. Oh, awesome! And, and also, one um, my my partner also does um, um, brawny the brawny storytelling before. So nice. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That's so great. So. Actually, uh, earlier when I was talking and I was saying there was one storytelling podcast that kind of like got me through a, a rough moment. It was Risk. It was the Risk podcast, oh, okay. and uh, I love I love that podcast. I think it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and and really, uh, yeah, it's the you know, reiterate what you're saying. I mean, capital storytelling is built out of that same model okay. of uh, the moth risk. Um, it's kind of true storytelling, but to be very specific to Sacramento and to bring Sacramentans together. So I, I like, I, I've noticed that you most, even, I've, even as I read the mission statement, most of the attention is more on personal stories than it is on mm-hmm. fictional. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I love fictional stories too. Uh, I think the personal stories, it is a thing that we, I think that is the most vulnerable thing that we can do to relate to another human being. Um, and let me give you a, another example, not just in um, fictional stories and poetry, but I, I even think about other forms of art that I think do bring people together, but do it in a different way. And, and improv is one of them, for example. Um, and there's a lot of similarities in improv and, and storytelling. But when you do improv, oftentimes you're creating kind of a, a fictional story on stage that might be absurd or funny or interesting, but, uh, but you're not necessarily sharing something that truly happened to you. And I think there's reasons for that. I think sometimes um, we're doing it as a proxy for life, right? Like we might be, you know, even when someone writes a fictional story, oftentimes they're drawing on their own life or their own experiences. They're piecing together things that, that they've heard other people experience to create this, this bigger picture. Uh, and it's almost like a parallel or a proxy to our own real lives. But I think when you're sitting with someone in there and they're telling you like this, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened to me and my own experience of it. It's like you peeled off this other layer, right? Where you're actually having to listen to someone else's experience without, and hopefully without judgment or, or critiquing it, but like really hearing them and saying, Oh my God, that was your experience, you know? Um, so for me, I think that, uh, I think they all serve different purposes. I think the tr- two things. I think the true personal storytelling really allows people to be vulnerable and connect. Um, I also think it's something that anyone can do. So when you think about someone who is a poet or a fictional storyteller, um, not that that is not something, not, not, not that you can't learn that, but I think that many people feel like that's an art form that I'm not a part of. But when you talk about true personal storytelling, every single person can do that. Everyone can do that. That's not um, just for certain artists. That is anyone. And everyone actually tells stories all the time, right? We'd always, we always, we have a lot of experience throughout our whole entire life of telling our own stories. Um, so it's that everyone can be a part of. So yeah, speaking of that part, like you're talking about poets and stuff. So 
I did notice that there's a little difference in um, poetry difference from storytelling, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it um, depends on the um, not only the the the, um, the subject matter, but also depends mm-hmm. on on the emphasis on, as you point out in in the video. So all good stories have a, a character, two or three characters, and they're usually people that you can relate to. So they are not these flawless heroes. Okay, so number two is the struggle. So every good story, uh, the character has a struggle. They have an obstacle. They have a challenge. And the whole time, it's not just an event happens and another thing happens, another thing happens. It's actually them working to get through that struggle or that challenge. Um, you put on mm-hmm. is that um, it's more char- character driven and plot mm-hmm. driven, whereas mm-hmm. poetry is not. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you you could probably speak even more to this kind of thing. Um, oh, you know, I think, and <laughs> uh, so I'd also want to hear your your thoughts on it. I mean, I think, I think any you know any kind of um, I, I think poetry, I think essays, um, even spoken word kind of performances they all they're all similar but yet they do take different angles right um and i i think for example i love essays and i love when people read essays but not always stories in the sense that they have characters that you really feel invested in and that they build some sort of tension and a whole plot right mm-hmm. um i think they do different things to people and i think i don't i don't think one is better than the other necessarily um i think what I mean by that is I think um, I've read essays and heard essays that are really powerful, right? right. And I think that they, uh, they serve a certain purpose, right? But um, when someone's telling a personal story, yeah, I mean, it is focused on some sort of tension or problem and how, and oftentimes how they overcame that. And I think it makes you feel different, you know? And I, I, I think it would be an interesting, sometimes I think it'd be an interesting exercise to hear the same, how do I put it, like the same uh, story or content in different forms, because I think there's sometimes a feeling of, um, uh, that, well, I guess what I'm saying is any content can be put into any of these different forms. And I think it's going to make you feel slightly different and serve different purposes in different forms. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. That's probably an unsatisfying answer. I think you could probably speak more to what poetry might do versus like a free form oral story. Well, they mostly, the side that you're talking about is they call it prose. Where poetry is um, prose basically takes some of the ideas of poetry, but it but it brings it in grammatical form like paragraphs. So where instead of just stanzas, these paragraphs and and um, punctuations and stuff, whereas poetry does not, they mostly stick with stanza lines and jambins and and, um, and a lot of other things to I mean, encroach the same information. But you but like I just point out prose it. It, it has the same analogy as poetry, but it uses somewhat of storytelling ability. And I was mm-hmm. looking at that as one of those things. But I did notice that, um, um, like Saturday, I was at the slam, the, the story slam. And I was looking at that as you take it more beyond it being a competition, as poetry slams mm-hmm. do, but more like an organized um, open mic workshop. Yeah. Explain that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's actually, uh, that Saida was the one that was kind of the mastermind behind the story slams. And in just a, you know, I think a big picture to, to give it context again, I mean, what, the mission that we really want to, you know, our mission 
is to make people feel connected and to really give people a voice. Uh, and, you know, in our classes, we teach people, like, how do you, what, what is the structure of a story? But ultimately, what we want people to do is feel empowered and to walk away feeling like they can share a story and to have been heard. And so Bethsaida's, uh, Bethsaida LeBron, her vision was for the Story Slams is to create that space in a more informal way. So, you know, we have these classes where people sign up and they pay and they do four weeks of it. We also have these big main events where, you know, we we really work with storytellers over the course of a month sometimes to get them ready for the stage and they share a story. But she was like, I want people to be able to, to drop in and feel comfortable to just share and feel heard and to even workshop it. But to also, if you noticed how she sets up these story slams, when she gives feedback, she always asks the tellers, what feedback do you want? So she, is, she always has this eye towards, um, I don't want to impose on another person what I think they should sound like. I want them to always feel like they're in control in terms of here's what my goal is, or I'm still trying to clarify what my goal is, but here's what I want from others, or here's what I'd like to hear from others, or here's what I need from others. Um, and so she has really, I think, done a gorgeous job of like trying to set up that environment where people can come get practice sharing stories, but also like feel supported in that environment, you know? Um, so it's not a competition. It is uh, to be able to have fun and to share and to get the feedback that you want. And if a storyteller shows up and says, no, I want you to be critical. I want you to like, tell me if the structure didn't make sense. Then I think that side would absolutely be like, okay, well, here's some things I saw. But, uh, you know, she said one time uh, at the first slam, uh, a storyteller just said, um, I want to know if I, if I sounded comfortable. <laughs> like that's, that was the feedback she wanted. She didn't want her story picked apart. She was nervous and she wanted to know, did I look comfortable? And I think that's, I think giving people, meeting people where they're at and giving them what they're asking for in that moment is really beautiful. And that, that is, um, I think, an underlying theme of, of the story slams. Okay. Well, I didn't think about that. I do know that you used to be an assistant professor uh, in child development over at Sac State. Uh, mm-hmm. um, child development, um, what you, your, um, your major was in and everything? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a psychologist. So okay. at a yeah, at Sac State we we that they have a psychology department and they have a separate department that is called child and adolescent development and uh it's really, it's psychology but it's developmental psychology. Uh yeah, so I'm a psychologist which I think um goes hand in hand with with story and narrative and I mean storytelling really is in any kind of I think this is true for any art form. Um it's an interpretation, right? And I think right. Oftentimes artists use it to understand themselves, to understand their own events and their own life experiences. And I think that that, that really is a, a psychology, you know? <laughs> Most definitely. And I did, um, the reason why I asked, because I, I noticed that uh, I was thinking that that was one of the reasons why you, you enjoyed the storytelling part of it, because everyone has a more personal, the, you can tell inside the story about, a, uh, you know, from any kind of tra- traumatic experience or anything that could come out of that, out of a story and people's um, words, livelihoods and stuff. So Absolutely. that's the reason why I was asking. Uh, I did ask, mm-hmm. want to know about these um, themed um, main events that you, that they mm-hmm. put out. They have one in July, but now they'll have one in November. Uh, the theme one you had before in July was the theme was things left behind. Tell me about that. Oh yeah. Things left unsaid. Um, Trying to remember, we actually, uh, just to, uh, to tell you, we, for a long time, we didn't have um, 
set themes and what we would do is uh, when we first started we just really wanted people to get on stage and so we were like who wants to get on stage we'll work with you we'll help you we'll coach you in the in, in your story uh, and then we kind of look at the set of stories and then we would um we'd figure out like well, is there a theme here and we'd like create a theme based on what stories were submitted and were going to be shared. Uh, only recently have we set themes up and then asked people to pitch based on that theme. And that's, uh, that's really just come from, there's two, I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, one is um, it gives people kind of a focus for like, okay, well here, I, I think I can think of a story surrounding that theme. Um, that's the main reason actually. Uh, and Betsida also has been the one to, to kind of encourage us. And, and just for those who don't know, Betsida um, is our director of outreach and she's a story coach. She's an instructor. She's also an improviser and a comedian. She's wonderful. She's fantastic, fantastic human. She emcees our events too. And she's great. And she's been one of the people that said, you know, let's, let's actually set up the themes ahead of time. Um, and I think she's been thoughtful and like, well, what, what, what is something that's timely or of the moment? And for the Lost in Translation, that is the theme for um, the November event. And she said, you know, I think this is a moment when a lot of people are, are living virtually and we might be more virtual and less in person more than ever. And I wonder if that is causing uh, miscommunication in some way or something where uh, something gets lost in, in the communication or lost in translation. So um, she, picked, she suggested that theme, hoping that uh, people would have maybe serious and funny stories about it. So to leave it open, right? You don't want to give a theme that's like, um, <laughs> you know, saddest day ever. And then you get all sad stories. So I think she's, she looks for uh, interesting themes that are really open-ended so people can interpret it in different ways, but it helps them to clarify a possible story they could tell. But it also leaves it open for, for funny things or, or believe, it also gives people permission to talk about something serious if they want. True. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. So. Well, I have one question. I know is that what there's now speak, you know, there's keystone speakers and stuff, and a lot of them mostly um, interpret their, you know, their morals or, or ideas or something around stories because people can more uh, affiliate themselves around story than they can with you just giving them the, you know, the three jack guidelines or whatever sort and. They get more, they get more invested. If somebody tells a story of why they should do it, then they do just like Aesop fables and stuff. Um, but I did know, but I do notice that that's what is being taught in the comedic side and the, um, the oral side and stuff. So, I mean, I think y'all are pretty, you know, y'all are pretty God spot on. I mean, it's, I just think it's interesting how even as a poet, um, mostly I always see poetry kind of like breaks down to almost like the rare form of what what's interesting, whereas story kind of embellishes on that and gives, puts more substance into just then just saying, oh, you know, Mary had a little lamb. You got to basically say the lamb was sweet as white as snow, and you know, Mary went. The lamb was short to go. You know, you got to basically give some uh-huh. on it, and you or mostly put out as. Uh, uh, Mary basically had was going from Fourth Street to Third, you know. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I, I do, I do applaud for that. Uh, I do want to ask one. Uh, so I always give these some general questions out. So the the uh, my question, um, we always have this thing called the page versus the stage. So basically, the, the term is that the pages were normally it would be page poets with who mostly writing the books and stuff. 
and then versus stage poets who mostly do their shows and performances and in CDs and music and stuff. And there's always been a constant riff. But I've also noticed this can be associated with um, storytellers because there are the storytellers that write the books. And then there's also the storytellers that are performing it. So would you cons- what would you consider yourself? Would you con- are you comfortable with both the page, the stage, or both? Yeah, they're definitely different. I love that you're bringing that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, this and this always comes up in our classes because we, uh, uh, I mean, this may not be answering your question head on, but, um, you know, we always have someone who uh, brings in their story and they've written it out and they want to read it. And it's different. It, it feels different when someone's reading a story because it's, it's meant for the page versus someone who just gets up and sell, you know, tells it and performs it and does it in a conversational way. Um, for me, uh, I like both. I love, I love the, you know, the, you know, the stage aspect, I think. Um, I think I love, but they, they are, they're so different, right? I mean, I love though, um, when someone is telling it on stage, a story on stage, they're usually a good storyteller's goal is to make it sound like it's, to make it sound like they haven't rehearsed it almost. That's what I think really good oral storytellers do. They just like talk as if like this is coming out for the first time. And I think the way that you do that is you have to understand how we talk normally, you know, our, our conversational patterns. And that is not how we write, you know? And I think it, whenever you're reading something and if you read it and it's written verbatim the way it would be said, it seems weird and it doesn't hit you the right way. So I think you know, our brains really shift whenever we're listening to someone speaking and we expect a certain speech pattern and we expect a certain delivery and that, that uh, reaches us in a different way. Then we're reading something and we shift and we might expect it to be slightly different, right? Um, it'd be interesting to know what you think about in terms of poets and if that, if people who are poets um, write differently on page versus if they know they're going to perform it. Is that true? Yes, it is true because um, mm. people, because if you, because when you read something, sometimes you, it's almost like, um, as they call it, eye candy, <laughs> where certain <laughs> words, you know, certain words are unique to a lot of, a lot of grammar or literary people love certain words being thrown at them and stuff. Just like how comedians would say certain words to get people to chuckle more. It's, there's, or even the structure of how the thing is put together in literary form, they, um, they, they, they capture, uh, captures a, a person's moment of when they read it. Whereas the same, the, the difference from when you perform it, uh, people um, are more interested in lines and hooks, just like, just like a comedian. They, you say a certain word or a certain things to inspire or catch someone's attention by giving them an emotional statement of, and you're also your vote, your tone plays a part too. Whereas when you read it, you just, you just kind of, if you don't have a, if you don't have a certain fluctuation in your tone, people just read straightforward and it just sounds like, okay, he sounds dull. <laughs> that's the, that's the book. I'm giving this information to you and everything I say will go like this. And you're like, okay, this is one. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. Can I, can I tell you a quick story uh-huh. about, um, and it's not that, it's not really a great story. It's just uh-huh. uh, as you're talking about it, it makes me think of, I had a personal experience with a student um, you may even know her. Her name's Aja Jones. She's in the spoken spoken word community in Sacramento. Okay. She's a poet, and she's uh, fantastic. She's awesome. She she's not in Sacramento right now. I think she moved for a little bit, but uh, she came to the 
what she told me, she came to one of our classes and, um, first of all, she was an incredible storyteller. So good. Like she, um, yeah, but it, it made sense because she was a spoken word artist. She was a poet. And, uh, what she told me though is, you know, she'd been doing spoken word for a long time. And what she started to realize is that really what she was wanting to do whenever she would do spoken word was to tell a story. And it, I, I never got to see her perform spoken word, but, uh, when she told her story, it was just interesting to see how I think she had remnants of like that influence of poetry, but, but she, she got up there and did it in a different form. And she was like, yeah, it was, it felt like my form. It felt like this is what I wanted. Like, I want to tell stories like this, you know? And I just thought it was really interesting that she, um, I think there's, you know, it goes back to what we were saying. There's different forms of, of sharing and like art and uh, I think when people find that thing that's like, this is my voice, like this is the kind of art I want to make, you know, um, it's cool. Um, anyway, she's still writing, she still writes poetry. And I think she still does spoken word stuff, but she was a gorgeous storyteller. And her name's AJ. Aja, AJA okay. uh, Jones. Yeah. Okay. AJ okay. Jones. Fantastic. Okay. I think she probably even has, um, I don't know if she has a website. I know she has like Instagram and stuff. And uh, okay. she's a fantastic visual artist too. She's like phenomenal. Okay. Well, I know we're getting close in the time. I would like to give you the floor and let you um, give information about um, capital um, capital storytelling. You know, give the social media and the website. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we want anyone and everyone to participate. So our website is capitalstorytelling.com, and that's capital with an A, not an O, capitalstorytelling.com. So true. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think if you write in, I, I think it even probably pops up if you Google capital with an O, capital storytelling, it pops up. For Sacramento storytelling, it probably pops up as well. Uh, but it's capital storytelling. We offer classes about three or four times a year, uh, and we do events. Uh, we have monthly story slam you can find out about on our website. You can register for those. They're free. They're donation-based. We have big live events where we have people get on stage and share stories. And the next one is in November. There's information about it on our website. Uh, and there's also information about our upcoming classes. Uh, so the next class we have coming up, uh, we have a comedic storytelling class that we do with Sac Sacramento Comedy Spot. And that's happening in October. And then um, we also have a podcasting or, or an audio radio storytelling class that's happening, I believe, at the end of October or early November. So... We'd love to have anyone participate. We, ha we have scholarships, so we always um, we try to make these as accessible as possible so that we never turn anyone away. Uh, anytime anyone says they need a scholarship, they get it. So please, if, if people want to participate and don't have the financial means, uh, absolutely apply for scholarship. Okay. I did, I did check out your podcast and I did, <laughs> I did see, um, I did hear a few of the episodes and stuff. And I did notice that you know, as you, as you present them and stuff, as you present the people and stuff, uh, like you said, it did go into a moth wrist type of format, mm -hmm. but I did notice that it was pretty organic. You know, the, <laughs> the, the stories, like the last story I heard about the lady who found out, well, basically had to tell her mom that she's not white. She's right. brown, she's uh -huh. brown. And yeah. just the <laughs> fact of some stuff like that. It mm. it's pretty riveting when you when you listen to it mm. and you're you're surprised. These are ordinary people, but it's surprising mm -hmm. how people, you know, uh get influenced or and then, then mm. something that's not suspected. These are actually mm -hmm. storytellers, whereas you know, people just hear 
songs or whatever, and they're just like, oh, well, that's a good song. It's like these are these are something they can actually relate to. I like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and just as a as a follow up, most of the people that um, are on that podcast, I mean, that's that those come from our live events, and most of them are. Um, most of them don't consider themselves uh, storytellers in the sense that they they first started storytelling through a class. Um, every once in a while, we do invite special story you know guest storytellers who are like they're straight up like this is what I do. Okay. Um, but yeah, most of those recordings are people who are like this is my my first time getting on stage and telling a story. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I mean, I, I suggest everyone please check out Capital Storytelling with the O, and you know, get on with an to, A with uh, an A, Sharon with an A. Oh no, it's an O, Capital, not Capital. Cap- it's Capital with an A. No, I thought it was Capital with an O because I looked at it with an O. Well, that's well, you googled it with an O. That's great. It, it pops up. Anyway, but it's capital with an A. <laughs> okay, with two A's with two okay. A's. <laughs> I'll take with two A's. Okay, I, I, I must be on my mind. Man. I'm watching with an O. It's an A, not an O. Even though it's in, even though we're in the capital of Sacramento, I'm gonna go figure. <laughs> I know. I've, I've had that feedback too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. But Lisa, thank you for coming on and stuff, and you know, giving your time to us and check in. We hope to. I'm going to be in your. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to be in your class 201 soon, but I'm right now with yeah. Masada and stuff, and I'm having, having fun. I'm having fun. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. I loved it. Thank you. Take care. All right. Mm-hmm. See you soon. Right. Bye. Bye. For more information, please go to L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Iambic Zine. I-A-M-B-I-C-Z-I-N-E. Thank you.